Thank you for listening to the Paradigm Podcast. Paradigm is a young adult ministry that exists to see lives changed by Jesus. For more information about Paradigm, go to ParadigmKC.com. We hope this message is inspiring and life-changing. Thanks for listening. What is up, Paradigm? Hey, if you have a copy of God's Word, won't you find the book of Matthew chapter 7? We are coming to you from Lee Summit, Missouri. Lee Summit, let the crossroads hear you. Let's say what's up. Yeah! Yeah! Man, I'm still so excited. I just, I mean, one of my favorite days of the week is Tuesday because I get to come to this space or get to come to the other space and, and be with hundreds of my friends and that are navigating the young adult years. And it's just so exciting because God does so many things in this season of life that many of you are in. And I'm excited to be able to get back into God's word and study this famous sermon, this famous speech that Jesus gave. It's the most quoted speech of all time. It's, it's referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. More books have been written about this speech and, and, and more, more countries have been impacted by this speech. More lives have been changed by this speech than any other speech of all time. So we thought it would be fitting to look at this speech and dissect it word by word. And so Matthew chapter seven is where we're going to be at tonight. And while you're turning there, um, have you ever had pepper in your teeth and like, but didn't know it, you know, like, and, and you, maybe you, maybe you came to Paradigm tonight and you had something in your teeth and like beforehand, you're like, hey, I'll do it, you know, and you just, I mean, you just cheesy, you come off Labor Day weekend, you're so repressed, you know, and you cheese it and then you go to the bathroom and you look in the mirror and go, uh-oh, <laughs> I had some pepper in my teeth or I had some blueberry seeds in my teeth. You had some sort of fruit shake before you got here or you got some, you know, broccoli in your teeth, whatever. And, and then you start thinking... I saw like 15 of some of my, some of my close friends. And then you start thinking, why didn't anybody tell me I had something in my teeth? You know what I'm saying? And I don't know if you've ever been on the other side of that. And like, you see the person that come in, paradigm, they're just smiling, you know, and, and, uh, and, and you see it. You're like, oh, they got a booger in their nose. You know, they, they got something in their teeth and you're like, you know, should I, should I, should I not? Should I say something? And I don't know if you're anything like me, but, but anytime I see that, I'm always like, I feel obligated that if, if I were in their shoes, I would want somebody to say something to me, but then I'm always like, I don't know how well I know this person. Am I going to offend this person? And then I'm just kind of like, well, you know, I, they'll figure it out eventually, you know, they'll figure it out. And then hopefully they just kind of find themselves into a mirror. And, and then sometimes I say something, sometimes I don't. And it can be a little bit awkward when somebody has something in their teeth. But what about when somebody has something in their life? You know what I'm saying? Like, like when you see like, like a kernel of pepper or a problem in their life. You know what I'm saying? And, and, you, and I don't know if you've ever seen something in someone's life where you're like, I, I, don't think that, I don't think that that's supposed to be in your life. I don't know if you've ever felt that tendency that's kind of like, should I, should I say something? Should I not say something? Maybe they'll just figure it out or will they? And there's always this tension when we see something in someone else's life. It's like, man, how, how do we navigate that thing? Because if you're anything like me, like you've come into this space and when it comes to you navigating your relationships, you, you probably don't want to be known as the judgmental person, right? Like, like you don't want to be wearing the badge of like, oh, here comes Chad. He's so judgmental. Yeah, that's right. You know, I'm judgmental, right? You probably don't want that label. But if you start to try to help correct something in someone's life in a way that's inappropriate, if you don't have the right approach, you can become judgmental. And tonight, Jesus is going to talk about the way that we are called to judge people. 
If you're taking notes, I've titled this message, How to Judge People. How to Judge People. And what we're going to look at tonight is you're going to see from God's Word that you've got to have the right motive if you're going to judge somebody. You've got to start with yourself. And before we leave tonight, I'm going to invite you to be very careful if you're going to judge somebody. Jesus, again, he's walking through this famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, and what he's done is he's moved through kind of like some the, the preamble of the kingdom of God, if you will. It's the Beatitudes, blessed are those that are this. And then he turns a corner and begins to like get us all in the same bucket of we got issues. You know, and like he just says, if you've had anger towards your brother in your heart, you've committed murder. murder. And he's like, if you've had lust towards someone else in your heart, you've committed adultery. And he goes to the list. And so by the end of the section where he's just kind of like whittling us down, like we're all in the same bucket of like, we are guilty, we have heart issues, we need what you're selling, right? And so he turns the corner out of that and he begins to get real practical. And over the last few weeks, we've been looking at what it looks like to be generous with our money. What does it look like for us to be a prayer-filled people? What does it look like for us to navigate worry and anxiety? And tonight, Jesus is gonna talk about how do we interact with one another when we see that there's something off in our brother. Here's what it says in Matthew 7, verse 1. It says this, Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it'll be measured back to you. We're talking about how to judge people tonight. And if you're going to judge people, you got to have point number one, if you're taking notes. you got to have the right motive. Again, Jesus, he's saying, judge not that you... Be not judged or judge not lest you be judged. You know, maybe y'all have heard this before. This is some of the most famous words of Jesus. You know, like, judge not lest you be judged. You better not judge. You know, we'll hear that. Maybe you watch the Kardashians. You heard like, only God can judge me. You know, like, you've heard those sort of things. It comes from this, right? And so many of us, we've come in here and, and we've come to the conclusion that we shouldn't judge at all. Now, let me explain what judge means. Because really, judge can mean one of two things. One is that you can judge someone's actions, and this leads to correction, you know, like, like you're not behaving properly according to this standard, and so I'm going to correct you. Or the other side is that you can judge someone's heart, and this leads to condemnation. And what Jesus is saying is he's saying that one is something that we should avoid, and the other is something that we should run to. He's saying there's two types of judgment, and the type of judgment that we need to avoid is the judgment that leads to condemnation. Jesus is warning against one and not the other. Now, again, this has been hijacked in our culture. And so people will take these words of Jesus and like, judge, judge not, lest you be judged. They'll take those words, and they'll basically say, you should never criticize somebody. You should never judge somebody. Now, the only problem with that conclusion is the Bible, all right? Like when you read the sermon, Jesus is judging us in the sermon, all right? He's saying, like, if you got anger in your heart, I'm judging you. You're a murderer. All right? Like, he's coming at us in this message. And then he calls us to be salt and to be light and to be his ambassadors and his constituents in the kingdom of God. And so the, the Bible is going to portray that it's okay to judge in a certain context. Like, you read other New Testament authors, even, even you know, some of us can say, well, that's Jesus. Only Jesus can judge. Well, you have other people in the New Testament that are saying that we should judge the household of God. We should judge within the church. We should look at one another's actions. And if those actions are not in alignment with the scripture, we should correct them. And so Jesus isn't saying you should never judge but what exactly is he saying? Again, people, they love to quote this and they should say, you should never correct, you should never challenge, you should never criticize, you should never call someone out. And the irony of saying that you should never judge someone 
is actually you judging someone, okay? So you're becoming the very thing that you said you shouldn't become. You get what I'm saying? Like, don't judge me. You can't judge me. That is a judgment, okay? Like, it's, it's, it's just a paradox. It's a little bit of a conundrum, if you will. And again, Jesus is not condemning the correction of people. He's condemning the condemning of people. And so again, this word judge, it can also mean literally to issue a sentence or to condemn. And so Jesus is saying, you should never condemn somebody. Condemning has to do with who someone is as a person. You should judge people the way that you want to be judged. That Jesus is saying, you got to check your motive because you don't want somebody to condemn you and to whittle you down and say, you're no good. Jesus is saying, never treat people like that. That the people of God should never go to someone and say, I hate you. You're no good. You're the worst. I condemn you. You can go to H-E double hockey sticks. That's not what the people of God are supposed to do. Can I get an amen on that one? All right? Yeah, we're, we don't operate that way. Jesus is saying, you don't come at people that way. He's saying, don't do that. Because listen, you wouldn't want somebody to do that to you. And so what exactly is Jesus saying? See, there's a difference between correcting someone and condemning them. And really, the core of the difference is in motive. And so if you're going to judge somebody, you got to check your motive, y'all. There was a buddy of mine, let me explain it this way. There was a buddy of mine, and he was leading like one of his first ever like, like talks. He was giving a speech at a leadership conference, and, um, and I was like, I'm going to go support my guy. So I sit down on the front row of this room. He's doing a breakout session, and, and I look up, and... Um, my guy's flies unzipped, y'all. <laughs> I'm like, oh, we got a problem, you know. We need to fix this problem. So I quickly stand up because I, you know, I had to make the, I had to make a real time decision. Am I gonna just gonna sit here and let my guy give this whole talk with his fly undone? You know, like, no, we ain't doing that, right? And, uh, and so I, I, I could have, and I don't know if you're anything like me, but when when people do those sort of things. I'm like, that's on you. I'm about to make fun of you. That's your fault. You know, you can't fix dumb. You know what I'm saying? Like, you should have taken care of that. And so, like, it's a part of me that wanted to, like, sneak a picture and be like, you know, like, text to the people, like, brothers, flies as zip, you know, and just make fun of him. I didn't want to do that because I wouldn't want him to do that to me. I, I did for him what I think somebody would want to do. You know, like, I get up, I put my arm around him, I'm like, and I turn my back to the audience, and I said, hey, bro. He said, yeah, what's up? I said, your flies unzipped. He said, oh, no, what should I do? <laughs> I said, zip it up. He said, I, I can't in front of everybody. <laughs> and I'm thinking, what do you mean you can't zip your fly in front of everybody? And so I just, like, made a distraction and, like, walked out with him out of the room. I was like, hey, man, come on over here. I need, I need to ask you something. And we walked out. I said, man, zip your fly up, man, you know? What's wrong with you, Right? Now, again, I had to make a real-time decision. Am I going to sit back and just kind of be like, I hope he figures this out? Or am I going to make a big deal like, yo, see my guys fly, so what a loser, you know? And then be like, you're, gonna, you're the worst. You're, gonna, you're never going to be a good speaker. You're, gonna, you're, you're the terrible. You're zipper. Oh, my goodness, you know? And just completely destroy him. No, no, I'm not going to do that. Why? Because that's not what I would want someone to do for me. And so when I saw something in his life, I said, you know what? I have the right motive here to graciously make him aware of something that he was not aware of so that he can address that thing. And this is right. And so if we read these words of Jesus and think that we should never correct, never challenge, never speak into, that's not what Jesus is saying. 
Again, what he is saying is you should never condemn, you should never belittle, you should never go after someone's character and someone's being and conclude because they act a certain way, they are a certain thing. But he is saying it's okay to speak into those things. But if you're gonna judge somebody, you gotta check your motive. Because if you have a condemning motive, you are off. But you have a, if you have a motive that says, man, I love this person, this is what I would want this person to do for me then you have the right motive. And typically, here's what I found, that, that the right attitude, it typically leads to the right outcome. And so Jesus, he's saying, you know, you be careful. If you're gonna judge somebody, you gotta be careful. You gotta have the right motive. And the second thing, if you're gonna judge somebody, you gotta start with yourself. I love this. Jesus, he just gets real practical here in verse three. Here's what he says. He says, and why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye? If you're taking notes in your Bible, you could just circle the word brothers. We're going to come back to that in a minute. Why do you take a look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? He says, or how can you say to your brother, there it is again, let me remove the speck from your eye and look, a plank is in your own eye. I love this. Jesus just says, you hypocrite, you know? He's like, like why, why are you even trying to help this person out when you got the giant log in your own eye? And then he just says in verse five, real practically, first, remove the plank from your own eye. I love this, just so practical. It says, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So if you're gonna judge somebody, you're gonna have the right motive. And then point number two, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. You gotta start with yourself. You gotta start with yourself. Uh, Jesus, again, he's saying, humble yourself before you try to help your friend. Don't try to act like that your issue ain't an issue and try to make their issue a bigger issue than your issue. You know what I'm saying? He says, you got to humble yourself before you try to help your friend. The way that you help people with the specks that you see in them is by first addressing the planks in your own life. Like you have to see your sin as a bigger deal to deal with than their sin to deal with first. So maybe you've come in here tonight and you're like, planks, planks, what logs, what, what exactly are those? Like, what, what do I need to do? Well, first of all, see the priority here. Jesus says in verse five, first, and then he says the action, remove you got, you got to start with yourself and you're going to remove some of these planks. Now, Jesus, we're like halfway into this sermon. And so he's already addressed a lot of things. So let me just give you a few planks that you may have in your eye here tonight. All right. Here's a few planks. You may have the plank of anger. Do you have that one? Is that a log in your life? Have you removed that from your life or are you trying to remove that from your eye? Maybe the plank of lust. Is that one that you're dealing with? You've got this thing, it's just, it's just floating around inside of your soul and you're just letting it exist, no big deal. What, what about the plank of divorce? Uh, what about the plank of false commitments, broken commitments? You know, I, I say I'm gonna do a certain thing, but then I'm always late or I, I'm always flaky and I never show up. Uh, maybe it's the plank of bitterness and you have some enemies in your life and you haven't forgiven people the way that God has forgiven you. Or maybe it's the plank of greed and you just, you just love money and it's just one more dollar and, and, and I'm always checking my stocks and I'm always trying to make sure that I've got that safety net and, and I'm just greedy. Or maybe it's the plank of, of spiritual apathy. You know, Jesus, he's been talking to us about fasting and prayer in this sermon. And maybe you're like, fasting, prayer? Like, when do I have time to do that? And you have this plank, this log in your life of spiritual apathy, or, or maybe it's worry, or worry's ugly cousin, anxiety. What are some of the planks that you're dealing with in your life? And again, Jesus is saying, if you want to judge somebody, you got to have the right motive before you try to help them out. 
And then you've got to start with yourself, you know? Like, you've got to look inside of the spiritual mirror, so to speak, and see if there's any planks in your life. And you need to process those planks in your life. Now, let me, let me say this, because I think some of you are like, well, I guess I'll never be able to speak into someone else's life because I am a work in progress. Well, let me just speak into that person that's, that's thinking that and just say, we are all a work in progress, right? And none of us are perfectly without any planks in our life. And if we had to remove all of the planks in our life and, and have them all done and no more sin struggles in our life in order to be able to speak into someone else's life, well, I better shut this book and get off this stage because your brother is a work in progress, all right? But I think there's a difference between trying to remove, being in process of removing, and then just turning a blind eye to the things that we know that aren't right in our life. And if you're here tonight and you are following Jesus Christ, but there's something obvious in your face, and then you want to look at someone else and try to make yourself feel better about your sin because you've somehow deemed their sin as worse than your sin, what Jesus is saying, you ain't got no business speaking in their life. You need to take care of yourself first. Start with yourself and remove that plank and be in a process of removing that plank. I don't know if you're anything like me, but I, I needed this in my life. Like when, when I came to Christ as a young adult, it didn't take long for me to start looking at other people and deeming them less Christian than me, all right? And I would hang out with other people, and here's what I've learned about Christians. Y'all are good at judging people, y'all. Like I, like, I didn't know that at first, but when I started hanging out with some Christians, I'm like, well, yeah, we're getting better. I'm sharpening my judgment axe, you know what I'm saying? And so I'd be in college, and I'm like, oh, you're watching The Office, huh? And you claim to be a Christian. Okay. Okay. I mean, I mean, I, I know all the quotes too, but I, you know, I ain't watching it like you watching it, you know? And be like, oh, you went out drinking this weekend. And how much did you drink? Oh, really? And you claim to be a Christian. Hmm. Oh, so you, oh, you, you were hanging out with them at past what time? Okay. And what was y'all doing? Uh-huh. Okay. You know, and, and like this began to feed something inside of me where I was like, you know what? I, I, you know, I'd almost pray like there's a story that Jesus tells about a guy that's like, you know, praying and saying, God, thank you so much for all the things that you've done in my life. And then he looks over and he sees a guy that he thinks is a lot worse. And he's like, God, and thank you that I'm not like that guy. You know, that guy, he's really bad. But God, thank you that I'm not like him, you know. And, and I had become that person. And so the way that it played out in my preaching is I would say things like, man, y'all need to do this. You got to get this straight. And you need to get this. And when you get this, then you get this. And then you got, and you got to fix this. And my pronouns were all you, 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 you. And then God humbled me. And he said, why don't you deal with you instead of you, 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 and all these other people, right? And it changed my pronouns when I preach. And so instead of me saying, you, 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 and why can't you? If you'll listen to me preach, more often than not, I'll say things like, man, we all need this. We are all a work in progress. That none of us has arrived. That we all need Christ to give us his grace and to work in our life. And so if you're going to judge somebody, you've got to have the right motive. But then you've got to start with yourself. 
Again, before you try to remove the speck out of someone else's eye, you got to deal with the plank in your eye. I don't know if you ever read the words of Jesus. I don't know if you have, have tried to imagine what Jesus is like before the chosen. That just messed everybody up. You know, they did a good job, but I was like, that's how Jesus is. That's how I see it, you know? And uh, like, I don't know if you imagine what Jesus was like. And, and I just think here, he's just being, he's being kind of comical, you know? Like you get the picture, right? He's like, why, why, why would you go to see an eye doctor with, with a speck in your eye and then you walk in like, I'm here to see the optometrist, you know? And, and, and then the guy comes out and he's got, logs in his eyes, right? Like none of y'all would see a blind eye doctor, right? Like that's probably not who you're going to trust with your eyes because they literally cannot see. And Jesus is saying, when you're trying to deal with somebody else's stuff, when you haven't dealt with your own stuff, you're like a blind eye doctor. And again, he's saying, deal with the planks in your eye before you help your brother. Did you notice the word brother? I told you I would circle that word. It's mentioned three times in these few verses. And the reason why I wanted you to circle that word is because I think oftentimes we'll take this passage and we'll try to apply it to our coworker that's not a Christian. We'll take this passage and we try to apply it to our, our, um, our brother or our sister and our family that's, that's not a Christian. We'll take this passage, we'll try to apply it to our friend that's not a Christian. And, and then we'll think that we have the right, the, the righteous right to speak into their life and their morality, expecting that they're going to get themselves together for Jesus' sake when they're not even a Christian. And so Jesus is dealing with people that have said, I want to follow you. He's saying, if you're going to deal with the speck in your brother's eye, he's saying, this is how the household of God, this is the constitution of the kingdom of God. If you're in the kingdom of God, this is how you deal with one another. You don't condemn people. You gotta have the right motive. And you gotta start with yourself. But there comes a time when, it, when you have to remove the speck in someone's eye. Now, I don't know if you've ever had someone try to remove a speck in your eye, so to speak. I don't know if you've ever had someone that's, that's, that's spoken into your life. And maybe you're here and like, you, you've never had that before. Maybe you hear you, you've had that before. And I don't know what your experience has been like with that. But here's what I would say. When someone's trying to speak into your life in a loving way, Man, let me just give you one way to respond to that. Just be thankful. More than likely, the person that's trying to speak into your life loves you enough to say something. It's just like the person that says, hey, man, I know we just met, but uh, you got some pepper in your teeth. You got, some, you got something in your teeth. It's to the right of your right big tooth, you know? And then like they just, I don't, anytime somebody, I'm like, thank you, thank you, because I don't want to be looking all silly, you know? And if someone speaks into your life, just be thankful. The word of God tells us in Proverbs 27, six, that faithful are the wounds of a friend, but an enemy multiplies kisses. And some of you, one of the best things that you can do as a result of listening to this message is go to a trusted person in your life and just say, hey, is there anything that you see in my life that is hindering me from becoming the man that God wants me to be? Is there anything that you see in my life that is hindering me from becoming the woman that God wants me to be? Or to put it in this context, do you see any specks in my eyes? And some of you, if you will ask that question and give somebody a green light to say something, this is what like, just again, going back to the teeth thing, my wife and my girls, every time we're on our way somewhere, my wife's always like, girls, check your teeth. You know, like they start smiling at each other. Like they just examine each other's smiles so that when they walk into wherever their place is and they light up and their smiles just take over their whole faces, it's just a beautiful thing, you know? And they are inviting one another to examine one another. And this is a good thing. 
And so if somebody's wanting to remove the speck in your life, don't be like, don't judge me. Get off me. Who are you? Don't, the Bible said judge not. You know, don't do that, all right? You could say, thank you for loving me enough to say something. Jesus, he goes on, he says this in verse six. He says, and do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you in pieces. Now, at first glance, again, it seems like Jesus is, is saying like, there are some people, there are dogs and there are pigs out there. Don't bother with them. And, but I don't think that's the point that Jesus is making. Because when you look at the life of Jesus, dogs and pigs in the Bible, this isn't like a lesson on like how to be a farmer, all right? This is like, these are categories of people that would be non-Christians. These would be outsiders. These would be people that don't believe in God. And what Jesus is saying is he's saying like, he's, he's saying that, that you need to be careful how you deal with people that aren't Christians. But what he's not saying is just write them off altogether because that's not what Jesus did. Like, like Jesus, he ate with the tax collectors and the sinners. Those would be the dogs and the swine, all right? Jesus, he died. He gave himself for the tax collectors and the sinners, for the dogs and the swine. And so he's not saying just write them off, cast them out, have nothing to do with them. And if, and if, they, if they don't believe in God, then, then they're, they're a lost cause. That's not what Jesus is saying because that's not what Jesus came to do. Jesus said clearly, I came to seek and to save the lost. So what exactly is he saying? Jesus is saying, if you're going to judge somebody, you got to have the right motive. You got to check yourself first. And then third and finally, if you're going to judge somebody, you got to be careful. You got to be careful. Again, Jesus is warning them that holy things and pearls may not be well received by a certain group of people. Now, the holy things, when Jesus says, don't cast holy things to dogs, what exactly is he talking about? He's talking about the standards of Christ. He's talking about the standards. And so, like, this would be things like the biblical sex ethic. You know, like, the Bible teaches sexual purity, abstinence before marriage. Uh, the Bible is going to teach, um, it's going to teach, uh, it's, it's going to teach binary sexuality. It's going to teach that God made males and he made females. And he didn't make anything in, in, in between. Uh, the Bible is going to teach things like, like, you got to forgive people that have wronged you and you've got to love your enemies. The Bible's going to teach holy things that the world really doesn't believe in. And so the holy things he's talking about is like you, you need to be aware of the things that the Bible teaches that the, that the culture disagrees with. And don't be going after all of these things in the dog's life. And he says, don't cast your pearls before swine. The pearls, this word is only used one other time in Matthew's gospel, in Matthew 13. And it's in reference to the pearl of great price is what it's called. And this represents Jesus and his kingdom. And so again, what Jesus is saying is he's saying, don't throw Christ before the pigs, those that don't believe in Christ, and expect them to cherish and to love and adore and to worship Christ. They're not Christians. And so he's saying, these are the holy things. These are the pearls. And again, pigs and, and, and dogs, you know, this is in reference to people that don't believe in Christ. These are outsiders. These are people that don't believe in God. And again, Jesus is saying, if you throw certain teachings, if you expect certain people to cherish Christ in certain ways, they're going to choke on those if they try to eat them, so to speak, because they're beyond their capacity. They don't have the ability to be able to cherish these things. They're living for themselves and they're trying to feed their belly. Jesus is saying, don't give them what they can't perceive. Let me explain it this way. You know that you can be alive 
and still unaware of certain things. All right, like, uh, like my grass, for example. My grass is alive, all right? And uh, the other day I cut my grass. And so when I pulled the, the lawnmower and started the lawnmower, the grass wasn't going, no, don't cut us, no, please. No, that's not what the grass was saying. The grass is very alive, but it didn't mind to be cut. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I found a dead animal in the yard when I was cutting the grass, like a little dead animal. And, and, uh, and like when I, when I picked it up to dispose of the dead animal, the squirrels weren't dressed in black, you know, going, oh my gosh, there's a buddy, you know, and crying. That, no, they, they had no sense of loss because the animal, the squirrels, even though they're very alive, they don't really have a sense of like grieving their loved ones, so to speak. I'm not talking about your dog or your cat, all right? I'm talking about the squirrels, okay? And you can be a human and be very alive, but still unaware of the kingdom of God. <laughs> so some of y'all, maybe you've come in here tonight and, and, and you're just like checking things out and you're like, why is everyone, is this like Christian karaoke? Why is everyone singing and great are you Lord? And I don't really know what's going on. And because you're, you're alive, but you're just not aware to the glory and the majesty of Jesus. And listen, that's okay. We're glad you're here. And we invite you to examine the claims of Christ. But for, for most people that are here at Paradigm tonight, like you, you're aware, like you, you cherish Jesus as the pearl of great price. And so what Jesus is teaching is like, you've got to be careful when you're casting these holy things or these pearls before people that aren't Christians. And I think there's been times in my life, I don't know if you've ever done this, but I've gotten frustrated with people because they're not acting godly. And then I realized they're not godly people, you know? Like, like why do you expect a, a person that's not a Christian to act like a person that is a Christian? And Jesus, he's teaching human beings without Jesus are like a pig with a pearl. They just don't know what to do with it. And they just kind of push it over, and if they try to ingest it, it's gonna, it's gonna, they're gonna choke on it because they don't have the capacity to perceive that thing. They don't have the ability to appreciate his beauty. But when your life has been changed by Jesus, this means that you've perceived the power of God. This means that you've beheld Christ's beauty. It means that you've been enthralled by his eternality. Like when your life has been changed by Jesus, your eyes are now opened. And you have an appetite for the holy things of God. But when someone's eye is closed and you're trying to remove a speck that you may have seen in their eye, if their eye is closed, you're going to have a really hard time removing that speck. You can't remove a speck from someone's eye when their eye is shut. And you can't remove something that's unholy from someone's life when their heart is shut to the things of God. That Jesus is saying, don't expect an unsaved person to appreciate your holy advice. Don't expect an unsaved person to behold the beauty and the majesty and the wonder of Christ and want to usher in the kingdom of God. That if you're going to remove a speck in someone's eye, their eye has to be open. And they've got to be willing um, I had contacts growing up and, and so I, I've dealt with my eyes a lot. You know, I've, I've like played sports and lost the contact and found it on the court and threw it in my mouth to rewet it and then threw it back in my eye. You know, like all the stuff, right? And so like, I'm used to like poking my eyes and stuff, but my wife, it's, she's sensitive around her eyes, y'all. And so like, there's been a few times where she'll get something in her eye and, and like, here's what I, here's what I don't do. I'm like, all right, honey, you got something in your eye. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get the, I'm going to go get the hammer and the screwdriver and we're going to get this thing out, you know, a little aggressive, right? 
I also don't go, well, let me go to the bathroom. I'll get the tweezers and get it out, right? No, what I do is I say, baby, let me go get a tissue. Because I know if you're going to remove something in someone's eye, you've got to be careful. And then she'll lay down and like, I'm like, you got to lay, you got to be still. And like, I try to open her eyes. She's always like, you know, try to shut it, you know, like, don't touch my eye, you know. And I'm like, it's okay, you know. And, uh, and like, we eventually get her eye open and then she's just looking around, just all nervous. And so we get some value. I'm just kidding. No. And so we just calm her down and, and then eventually it's like, okay, but the, here's the point. If I'm not careful and if she's not submitted, then we're not getting anywhere and getting the speck out. And the reason why I share that is because if you want to judge somebody and their eye is not even open to the holy things of God, if you want to judge somebody and their eye is not even open to the beauty and the pearl of great price, if you want to judge somebody and they're not willing to receive the feedback that you're offering, you're gonna have a really hard time being successful at removing the speck from their eye. And so this demands that you have relationship. This demands that this person is in the same kingdom that you're in. There's a lot of things that have to be in place. And then when it comes time to have that conversation, you gotta be careful. Don't come with a hammer and a screwdriver. (laughs) Don't come with some tweezers metaphorically. You've gotta get a tissue. So what does it look like for you to be careful practically? Let me give you three things that will help you be careful practically. Here's the first thing. You, you've got to share the truth with that person, and you also got to be willing to share tears. In John chapter 11, Jesus, he's interacting with a family that he loved. There was a friend of his named Lazarus that died, and he shows up to the funeral, and Lazarus' sisters, they're just weeping, you know, and they rush up to him, and they're like, if, if you would have been here sooner, you know, and they're just mad at him because they're so grieved about the loss of their brother. And Jesus, he doesn't just like take the heat and, and take the hits from them. He receives their criticism, but then Jesus, he stands on the truth. And he looks at them and he says, I am the resurrection and the life. And if a man would believe in me, he would not perish, but he'll live forever. But then you, you, you go down a few more verses and you find that Jesus not only shares that profound truth, that profound promise, but it also says that he weeps. And so one of the ways that you're careful in giving someone feedback and judging them is that you have to be bold enough to share the promise of God. You have to be bold enough to share the truth, but you also have to be sensitive enough to shed some tears. And some of us, we need to grow in our empathy. And others of us, we need to grow in our courage. And the people of God, when you judge somebody, you need to judge them carefully with truth and tears. The second way that you judge people carefully is that you've got to be patient with the pace of God in their life. Let me say that again. You've got to be patient with the pace of God in their life. I don't know if you're anything like me, but I get irritated when people don't progress as fast as I think they should progress. You know, I'm like, what's wrong with you? Just say the prayer, read the verse and then stop it, you know? And then like, I forget of how long it took me to get some of the areas of my life in order and how long I'm still taking, like I'm still at work, you know? And I think sometimes I get so irritated at the lack of progress that I see in someone's life. And it's as if the Holy Spirit's tapping me on the shoulder and said, Chad, I think you forgot that what's happened in your life is a miracle, all right? 
And I think sometimes I just like think that I somehow earned the faith that I have or earned the knowledge that I have. It's all a gift. And I get frustrated because I don't see this thing happening in this person's life at the pace I think it should be going. And God's saying, hey, 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 Chad, I'm God, you're not. And I'm good at my job and you're not good at my job. So trust the pace that I'm walking at in this person's life. Because when we get impatient with God's work in someone's life, we typically wound that person in the name of trying to help. We're talking about how do you judge somebody? You gotta have the right motive. You gotta, you gotta start with yourself, but then you gotta be careful. And the way that you be careful is you gotta have truth and tears. You gotta be patient with the pace of God in their life. And then the last way that you're careful is you gotta make it personal. Again, Jesus, when he says here in verse six, he says, he says, don't cast your pearls. He's saying, this is, these are yours. This is possessive. And so oftentimes when you're sharing with someone and, and, and you're trying to help them see something that maybe they can't see for themselves, you're trying to help them deal with something in their life, you, you need to share your own struggle. You, you've got to share your own struggle, but also you've got to share your own why. Like you'll see someone doing something like, hey, you shouldn't be sleeping with your boyfriend or you shouldn't be sleeping with your girlfriend. Because God's called you to holiness. And Jesus is worth your sacrifice. And, and I, I struggle with the same temptations. And, and, and here's, here's how I've tried to navigate these temptations. And, and, and can't you see that Christ is worth it? When you go and you share that there's a speck of bitterness in someone's eye and, and they're, they're so bitter about some things that their dad did that they're treating all men this way or treating all people this way and transferring that bitterness and you speak into that and say, like, Jesus is worth you forgiving your dad. He is worth you letting that stuff go. And this, this pearl of great price and this kingdom of God, you have to trust by faith that his way is better than the way that you're living right now. And you got to make it personal. You don't just storm in and tell them how to do their business and never share about the struggles that you're having or never share about how much you love Christ and how he is worth whatever the sacrifice that we offer. You got to make it personal. If you're going to judge somebody, you got to have the right motive. You got to start with yourself. And you got to be careful. Now, the reason why we need this message tonight is because by and large, we're not good at this. We're really good at judging people and just belittling them and condemning them and making them feel lesser than and a worse person than us. We're so good at that. So good that we have a reputation. I don't know if you know this or not, but when the when the world is asked, what do y'all think of the church? What do y'all think of Christians? They say, oh, Christians, man, they're homophobic. They're hypocritical. And they're judgmental. And the reason why we need this word is because we have gotten this wrong for so long. What if we begin to change the reputation of our, of our family in the community? Again, Jesus, he didn't call us to be homophobic hypocritical and judgmental. That's not what the Sermon on the Mount's about. It's about being salt and being light and building the kingdom of God in such a way that it impacts society. 
We've gotten this wrong for so long. And some of you are here tonight and you've been on the judging side of judging in a wrong way. And many of you are here tonight and you've been on the receiving end of someone being judgmental to you. Some of you have felt that from me. And to you, I would just say, thank you for being here. And to you, I would say, I'm sorry. If you've been hurt by another Christian that was trying to remove the speck in your eye, they almost blinded you. If I've hurt you in any way by trying to be helpful, but I was actually hurtful because I was instant, whatever the thing is, I'm sorry. And some of you, if you know that you've hurt somebody by trying to help them, maybe you should issue them an apology. And what if we begin to have the reputation that we would lovingly come alongside of people and we would offer a careful, God-centered, holiness standard, valuing the pearl of great price, Jesus and his kingdom, solution to remove the speck in their eye. And maybe, just maybe we'd change the world. So if you're here tonight and you've been hurt by somebody, the last thing I would just say is, I wanna urge you to look to Christ. Look to Jesus Christ, he is the perfect judge. And Jesus, he was the one that should have brought condemnation, but he was condemned so that you and I didn't have to be. That Jesus was crucified for your sins. He was judged so that you and I could walk free. And Jesus, he says this in some of his most famous words. He says in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only, his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Most of you have heard that. It goes on. He says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. This is the verdict. Light is coming to the world, but people love darkness instead of light because of their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. If you've been on the receiving end of harsh criticism and harsh judgment and you felt condemned, the invitation is to Christ tonight. That because of his death on the cross, we can take his words to the bank. That he did not come into the world to condemn the world, but he came to save the world. And I pray that tonight, that reality would be yours. And for those of us that know that reality, we would be faithful to be good and righteous judges when the time comes. I wanna invite you just to pray with me. As you bow your head, I just wanna ask you a couple of questions and I'm gonna pray and then we'll move to a time of response. Question number one, What are the planks in your life? What are those areas in your life that you need to deal with tonight? 
if you've come in here and you profess Christ, but you have looming logs in your soul that you're not dealing with, why not make tonight the night that you begin to remove those things? I mean, Jesus literally says, hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eyes. So often we're so quick to look at what needs to change in someone else's life while dismissing the thing that we need to change in our own life. So question number one, what are the planks in your life that you need to remove? Question number two, is there someone in your life that's a brother or a sister in Christ that has an obvious speck in their eye that you need to say something to them about? Would you be faithful to do that? Would you be careful in doing that? Next question. Have you been hurt by someone judging you? Have you felt the sting of condemnation? Have you felt shame and guilt, not necessarily for what you've done, but for who you are? And if you have, I would just invite you to come to Christ. Some of you have come in here tonight and and you're living in shame and perpetual guilt because you don't know Christ. You come to Christ as well. The way that you do that practically is you admit that you're a sinner, that you need Jesus Christ to help remove the blindness that's in your life. You believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave and you confess him as the Lord of your life and you surrender over to him. The Bible promises that he will move into your life and he'll begin to take over and to begin to remove the things that aren't of him in your life. And for those of you that are hurt, that have been hurt by the church, I just invite you to come back, try again. Don't give up. Just because you've been hurt by broken and flawed people, don't give up. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for tonight. God, we thank you for your goodness in our life. God, we thank you so much for the fact that you are enthroned and that you are high and lofted and we've been able to sing songs to you and declare that you are the alpha, you are the omega. God, as I think about your grandeur and your majesty and your might and your glory, I'm undone and overwhelmed by the fact that you would put on skin and become like a man and that you would humble yourself and die on a cross. And that by the shedding of your blood, we could have forgiveness of our sin. So that's why we sing, there's nothing but the blood. And and we, we declare what could wash away our sin. And so we just say, thank you for that. Thank you for that profound truth that is only found in you. God, as we see our brothers and our sisters with specks in their eyes, God, help us to be people that offer feedback and receive feedback so that we can all be shaped into the men and women that you've called us to be. And God, I pray that we would turn the tide of the reputation of the church, that you would help us to be found as loving, as truth-centered, but as people that will shed tears when the time comes, as people that will be patient with your pace and your work in people's lives, and as people that will share our experience with you, and that we would deconstruct the reputation of being judgmental. In Christ's name, amen.